Welcome back to the Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about a bonus episode. That's right, a bonus episode. Almost exactly a year ago, I did my first bonus episode ever. I shared two email exchanges I had had with listeners that touched on very interesting problems. I asked all of you if you wanted more bonus episodes, and you answered with a resounding yes. Well, on a recent break in my schedule, I had time to dig back into the email treasure bag, and I found lots there that's of interest. So I picked two more exchanges for today's episode. Preparing for today's episode, I went back and listened to that initial one. And you know what? It's good. If you want to hear it, it's called Reader's Letters, and it was posted on May 17th, 2016, <laughs> and today is May 22nd, 2017, so it is really almost exactly a year ago. Amazingly enough, the first email in today's episode is from a woman named Sarah. If you go back to that original bonus episode that's a year old, one of the letter writers was Sarah. What happened was that months after the exchange you hear on the bonus episode, Sarah wrote to thank me. And in that email, she introduced a whole new situation that I again found fascinating. So with opening niceties on both sides edited out, here's the exchange with Sarah. Dear Tom, I'm going through a divorce. This is new and I'm experiencing a lot of persistent small worries. One that's really worrying me is how to present myself at work while this unfolds. I thought I should tell no one other than my one good friend who keeps secrets, but if I take off my ring, I'm in an office that will notice. It's small and intimate, and people discuss personal lives a lot, me included, usually. I'm concerned I'll cry or look fragile, and I don't want to look incapable of receiving new responsibilities and stepping up to challenges. I'm supposed to get to manage a consulting engagement for the first time soon, and I don't want to miss out. I would love any counsel you can offer. I have thought of your Compassion During Change episode a lot during this time. Thank you again for all you do. All the best, Sarah. To which I replied, Sarah. Regarding dealing with your divorce in the workplace, before I begin my ideas, allow me to pose two questions to you. My hope is that these questions will serve as guides for you, regardless whether my advice feels on target or off. Question number one. Do people in your workplace get penalized for bringing their personal lives into the workplace? Suppose someone's kid was seriously ill, or a parent was dying, or a grown sibling was battling cancer. If in any of those cases, the affected employee displayed feelings about the situation, would that person pay a price? Question 2. If a direct report of yours experienced a life-altering experience, one of those listed above, or a divorce, would you want them to tell you? If so, how would you like to be told? And why would you like to be told? Sarah, some ideas about both those questions. 
Regarding question number one above, dealing with your workplace's culture, you need to be savvy. If your workplace is a hotbed of gossip with poorly held boundaries where everyone's life is fodder for disrespectful speculation and chatter, then you may want to consider what you say and what you don't. On the other hand, it is inevitable. Someday you are going to remove your wedding band. Someday the truth will be known. The inevitable will come. So do it when it feels right to you. There's no right time. You'll know when it's right for you. Regarding question two above, how would you like to hear this if you were the boss? Your own instincts may guide you towards how to handle yourself with your boss and others. You can't control the workplace's culture, but you can control how you share the information with people. It seems you've already told your one good friend. This means that your secret is not secret. Yes, you say that she or he can keep secrets, but secrets are burdens. It's possible she has already told one other person she trusts as a way of coping with her load. Who knows? My point, as soon as you tell one person your secret is not a secret, you cannot control what comes out of that person's mouth. Just be realistic. As for talking with your boss, I would suggest going to your boss and letting him or her know you're going through a difficult time in your personal life. You might specify that it's a divorce, but you might not. Whether you do or don't give details about your, quote, difficult time, tell your boss your intention is to be a high performer, to compete for opportunities and to step up to challenges, and at the same time there may be instances when you need to devote some time to the issue. For example, Sarah, you may need to meet with a lawyer or consult on the phone. You can tell your boss that you may have some bad days, but that your commitment is still 100% to your work and that it is not your intention to bring your personal problems into the workplace. If you have a high level of trust with your boss, you might identify the problem specifically, but with no details. My husband and I are ending our marriage. As you can imagine, it's an upsetting time, but I'm still completely committed to my work here. Sarah, if you name the issue, you are under no obligation to disclose any details. In fact, I'd encourage you not to. Now and then, you may get overwhelmed with feelings. If that happens in the workplace, excuse yourself, pull yourself together, and get back in the game as quickly as you can. That's your job. But it's also your job to be sure your feelings, which will most likely be complex and intense for some time to come, have healthy, appropriate outlets. In truth, Sarah, no matter how amicable your divorce, the end of your marriage is a death. Grief, anger, sadness, regret, recriminations are just a few of the feelings that may wash over you at different times. If you've ever experienced deep grief, you know the healing process is unpredictable and nonlinear. So, during this time, and perhaps for several years to come, it will be important for you to have support outside work where you can give your feelings free reign. Creating support outside of work will help protect you against emotional hijacks at work. Two final thoughts, Sarah. First, I encourage you to be permissive with yourself during this time in your life. If you decide you don't want to disclose your truth to your boss or your coworkers, 
Have some compassion for yourself. Don't beat yourself up about lying or denying or being inauthentic. You will do your best day by day. At the same time, I encourage you to be as congruent in your life as you can. Don't lie if you don't have to. Your life is complex enough without creating multi-tiered layers of people who either know your news or don't. Finally, Sarah, people will try to be helpful. They will say jaw-droppingly unkind things with the intention of being helpful. They will give advice which is boneheaded. For example, this entire email, perhaps. They will tell you stories that don't have any relation to your situation about their catastrophic divorces and their bastard ex-husbands. They will tell you all the ways that you could be doing better. They will. You can't stop that. But you can control how you react or respond. None of what they say is about you. Smile and thank them. Then run to your support people outside of work and have another glass of wine. Let me know how it goes, Sarah. All the best. Tom. To which Sarah wrote, Thank you doesn't really feel adequate as a response to what you've written here. I've read and reread your note each day over the past week, and I've derived a lot of strength and comfort from it. In particular, the last paragraph about how people are going to try to be helpful by telling me things, and how all I have to do is smile and say thank you, move on, and have a glass of wine. Thanks. Signed, Sarah. The end. That was pretty interesting. Addressing that situation with Sarah was the first time I'd really articulated my ideas about setting and holding personal boundaries. Thanks, Sarah. Love your emails. Okay, up next, email exchange number two. Do you all know Dave Stahoviak's podcast called Coaching for Leaders? I hope so. I've mentioned it several times. And I know that a whole lot of you actually are crossover listeners because you tell me that you heard me on one of Dave's episodes. Well, that was the situation with this next emailer. He begins by mentioning an episode I did with Dave about networking. He wrote, Tom, I enjoyed your interview on the subject of networking. I was impressed with your comment and practice of giving and helping from a place of abundance, even when you needed money. Is this like sowing and reaping? planting with faith that it will be multiplied back to you? I agree with this intellectually, but as I'm trying to build my business and brand, I find with conversations with potential clients that I'm fearful that they will take my ideas and not pay me. I hear, don't give away what you can sell. Do you have any strategies to cultivate generosity and abundance? Sincerely, Mike. To which I answered, Mike, I completely understand the idea of don't give away what you can sell. I used to worry about that too. Here's how that's evolved for me. Years ago, colleagues who care about me would approach me about these executive coaching tips. This goes as far back as 2005. It was a very different internet back then. My concerned colleagues would caution me about giving away my intellectual property on my website. Do you know what I always thought? I thought, fine, let people have it. No one can do it like me. And it's not as if this is some secret no one else knows. 
If people like my ideas, how fantastic! Go for it. They can do what they want with my ideas, but those people are not me. I'm the original. Plus, do you know what I realized? Every time I spoke, every time I wrote, every time I networked with a colleague, I was giving it away. As long as I was out in the world talking about what I love, I was, by that definition, giving it away. The only way to not give it away was to keep it to myself, and that didn't feel like any way to promote my career or build my business. So, giving it away is a choice. I can give my ideas away, or I can hoard them. I also saw that the very act of worrying about giving it away has scarcity built into it. Why? Because if the shelves are always full, which is the very definition of abundance, then what does it matter? I'm never going to run out. To me, this meant. There's always another idea. There's always more value to add, and that's what I'm selling. I'm selling them the more we haven't had time to get to yet. I wonder what that sounds like to you. All the best, Tom. To which Mike replied, "Tom, thank you so much. Your comments about abundance and your approach make so much sense to me. I can see how your approach is better and freeing." There's no worry or fear when the shelves are full, and that is so attractive to others. I see that in your generosity to me and your helpfulness. Thank you for your kindness and great advice and example. Also, I'm curious as to when you think a personal coach may be needed versus reading and trying to improve on your own. Thank you again. I can't tell you enough how much your work has encouraged, helped, and benefited me abundantly. Mike. To which I answered, Mike, when is a coach needed? Oh my, who knows? I think it depends on how you learn. Personally, I've always learned more from teachers, coaches, mentors, therapists than from books. I have always been thirsty that way. Since I was fairly fresh out of college, I've always been engaged with someone who was a teacher to me. They weren't always the best teachers. But there was learning even in that. There are lots and lots and lots of caring folks with wisdom to share and tools for helping. It might be a community college class, or an instructor connected to a hobby you have, or an actual coach. But even within coaching, there are many types with many tools. I could connect you with half a dozen, all of whom I think are gifted, each one different from the others. My question back to you would be, when is it not the time to be working with a teacher? Love this exchange, Mike. Thanks for your questions, Tom. And that's the bonus episode. Two emails done. If you want more like this, let me know. I could absolutely do more than one a year. If you want, let me know. Get a hold of me at the Essential Communications website, essentialcom.com. It's essentialcom with two m's. dot com. Hit the big old contact button. That comes straight to me. Thanks a million. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>